Hi, this is Shane Blackledge, and you're watching Kingdom Minded. And today we have an exciting uh, podcast for you. Uh, we have a special guest today. Her name is Tanya Roundtree, and she is a Christian life coach. And she's come on today to talk about her testimony and share with you the things that she's been through and how God has miraculously healed her and how she's changing people's lives. And we're just so excited to have her on today. And Tanya, I just want thank you so much again uh, for taking the time to come on here. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. Yes. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to start off. I'll just ask you, like, you know, how did you become a, a Christian or a follower of Jesus? Yeah, well, um, it, it, I'll start by by giving a little bit of backstory. Um, I, I did become a Christian when I was 10 years old, but getting there um, started with my parents' divorce when I was four. Um, and then when I was about seven, my dad started talking to me about being transsexual. They called it transsexual back in the 70s. And I didn't believe him because my straightforward child brain knew that men couldn't become women. So he had me listening to, uh, a, well, they called it book on tape back then, an audio book about a, a transsexual, um, I think, I think this man made his transition in the fifties or something. So, um, he had me listening to that. He, he was, he would go back and forth between saying that he was going to become a woman and then like explaining away his electrolysis of his, you know, his beard removal, um, as he just was tired of shaving, you know, so it was a very confusing time for me. But then when I was nine years old, um, I remember, my parents had some people over one evening and so there were there were a lot of people around several children around and my dad called um and you know my mom called me into the house and I talked to my dad and he was crying and, and he told me that he's going to be a woman he's going to have a surgery and that he can't do that until he tells me convinces me and I just kind of went into a state of shock. Um, and I realized now I was sort of in a dissociative state. I just remember climbing into the back of my stepdad's truck and everything, just everyone felt distant. I, you know, there were voices all around me, activity all around me, but it felt like it was miles away. Um, and that started a period of, of, huge upheaval there were trips to lawyers trips to psychologists um and you know my parents tried to get me to say that my dad touched me um and he never did apparently I did tell my mom that I didn't like him being in the bathroom with me when I took a bath but I think I was just so angry and I wanted them to stop asking me um but then that resulted in um, the relationship being completely terminated. Um, and then we left the state and moved two states away. And so I'd left 
everything that I knew. Um, when I was seven, my mom became very abusive. Um, and I remember one day she'd cut my hair against my wishes. She'd asked me if I wanted to get, have a short haircut and I told her no. And she cut it anyway. And I cried because I looked like a boy and she just started hitting me. And I remember after she left the bathroom, I looked in the mirror and I just glared at myself and I said, I hate you. And that was the day that I became the scapegoat. Um, and I just, I was filled with such self-loathing. Um, and I blamed myself for the abuse. I couldn't be good enough to avoid being abused. Um, after we moved, the abuse just got worse. I think partly because of the, the isolation, the lack of support system, you know, we just didn't know anybody. And we were living in a camping trailer. Um, I had two very much younger siblings. Um, I was, so I was 10 when we moved and my, my little brother was two. And then I had an infant sister. So two children in diapers before disposables were really useful. Cooped up in this camping trailer and my mom got really, really abusive. And we had started going to church. The people that my parents had bought land from invited us to a little country church. And we met, um, they, it, was, it was a circuit. I don't know if that's what you call it, a circuit church. Well, I'm not sure what they call it, but there was, there was a Baptist pastor two times a month, a Methodist once a month. And then I don't even know what happened on the fourth Sunday, but the Baptist preacher and his wife lived close by. In fact, lived less than a quarter of a mile from where I was going to school. Um, and they became, you know, very close friends. And I even um, would go over to their house after school frequently. And one day the pastor's wife sat me down with a little tract. I don't know if it was the four, four spiritual laws, or I think it was probably the four spiritual laws because I was just a kid and that was pretty simple. And she, she went through that with me. And then she said, oh, when I asked Jesus into my heart, I just felt this lightness leave me, this lightness come over me. I, my burdens were gone. Um, and she said, would you like to, would you like to be saved? Would you like to pray this prayer and be saved? And I was like, oh yeah, because this is the nicest person I had ever known. And I wanted to do what ever it took to please her. So I prayed that prayer and boy, did I tell her, oh yes, this burden was lifted and, and I just feel lighter and it was all a lie, but I just, you know, I wanted to please her. But then a few months later, things had gotten so bad at home that I decided that since I was the cause of all my mother's problems, that I would just end my life. Oh. And, um, I remember asking my mom what household chemicals would kill you. 
And she said, well, if you mix bleach and ammonia, that can kill you. But don't you dare ever do anything like that. You could hurt your brother and sister. And so I was like, okay, well, I wouldn't want to do anything to hurt my brother and sister. I love my brother and sister. So I thought about other things she'd told me, you know, she'd warned me about with them and like, oh, plastic bags can suffocate and, um, you know, they could get tangled up in cords. And so I thought, oh, my first, my first plan was to try to strangle myself with a Chinese jump rope after everybody went to bed. Now that would prove too difficult. And then, so I decided, well, I'll just get a trash bag and I, I hid it in my pillowcase and the first night, I think I fell asleep too fast. So I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll just, I'll set my alarm for two o'clock in the morning and I'll, I'll wake up and I'll put that plastic bag over my head. And I went to bed with the greatest sense of peace. I knew that, that my mother's trouble would be over and I didn't hear the alarm. And of course, I mean, this was an, this was an 11 year old's plan of course it was a terrible plan and somebody would have gone to jail if I had succeeded but my my stepdad heard the alarm he came in he turned it off and when I woke up in the morning I was in such a state of shock that I was alive that I knew that God must be real he had to be real and that's what I could verbalize at that time but looking back and just thinking about how things changed for me after that that I realized that God had a stronger hold on me than my mother did. Mm. That gave me the ability to fight back when I needed to, to defend myself when I needed to, um, and to say some things to her uh, that that changed things for me. Um, you know, I didn't understand very much at that time. Um, I think in some senses, I, I thought that I had to somehow live up to that very real salvation that I experienced that day. Um, and that, that went with me through adulthood, probably into my late twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being angry that Jesus had to die for our sins because I wanted to be able to be able to redeem myself. But we were, we were going through a difficult time and I'd already, my, my daughter was probably eight or nine. Um, and I had already I'd had such outbursts of anger and I I was experiencing so much shame and I didn't know what was going on. Nobody was talking about PTSD in the nineties. So I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just knew that I was failing. Um, You know, I had the typical emotional outbursts of, you know, those who've struggled with PTSD and, you know, my daughter was, was the one who took, the brunt of that. And it was, you know, it was mostly yelling. Um, I did not physically abuse her the way I had been abused, but I was still screaming at her. I was unpredictable. Um, you know, I could go weeks and everything would be fine. And then something would set me off and I'd go zero to furious. Mm. 
in just seconds. And it was like, I had no control. And I've learned now, now that I understand what PTSD does to the brain, you know, I realize, you know, you do lose control in those moments and it's, it's learning to spot the yellow flags, um, you know, so that you can slow that down and, and, and maintain control. But I was just struggling and I had started going to, we, we, we went to church. My husband and I went to church. Um, he was in grad school at this time. Financially, we were struggling. Relationally, we were struggling. I was struggling as a mom. And I just, I felt like God was trying to teach me something. I always, it, I had this, this punishment and lesson learning mentality. You know, I just, I just thought that, you know, God was this, well, very much like my mother, you know, just looking for things where, you know, that I was doing wrong. And I just, I remember crying out to God, you know, it's just like, just what is it you want me to learn? I'm not that stupid. What is it you want me to learn? And I remember hearing his voice saying that I love you. And that was the first real glimpse of God's love Mm. that I'd had. You see, it's still, it still gets me. You know, that was such a powerful moment. that I, you know, just, that had never occurred to me before. I knew the, I knew the Bible verses. I knew God's love in sort of a a global sense, you know, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, but that was, that was the world. And I was part of the world and whatever God's love, but that's the first time it really became personal for me. Right. Where he, where you realize he loved you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And hearing his voice that, that way. Um, now I'd had other experiences of feeling the physical comfort of God when I, when I was a teenager and, oh, just feeling my dad's abandonment so deeply. And I had one experience where I just, I felt like God just pulled me onto his lap and held me just the way I longed to be held by my father and um yeah you know those those can be so profound but that was the first time that I'd really heard God's voice um and and things really started to change for me after that um I really started digging into God's word I had been a very legalistic reader of the Bible um I kind of came of age in sort of the peak of the the quiet time. You've got to have your quiet time. That's the only number God answers is that quiet time. And of course, you know, I know now that, you know, he's always with me and I just can speak to him and I don't have to follow any particular program to be approved by him, you know, but at that time I was, 
it's around the time I turned 30 and I really started digging into his word and I started feeling a call on my life and I didn't know what exactly I was being called to and several years later I thought well I was a little bit misled um uh, an intern that we had at a church told me that she felt like God was telling her that he was calling me to go to seminary. Well, that's not what God was calling me. I mean, when God calls you, he calls you to something. He doesn't, he doesn't give you that message through somebody else unless he's already speaking that into your you know, into your heart. Right. That can be confirmation. Confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I didn't go to seminary, but I did, I did get some, some lay leader training through the denomination that we were in. Um, and that I don't regret that. Um, but preaching was not for me. I, I did some supply preaching and, um, that was not for me. Um, I did end up doing some, um, I organized a children's Sunday school program. Um, but that's, that was actually a situation that, that really brought out the PTSD in me because, um, the pastor that I was working under something about him triggered me. I think he reminded me of my grandfather who became a father figure after my, my, my dad wasn't a part of my life anymore. Um, and I, I never could get his approval and I felt like I could never get this pastor's approval. And it was really, really triggering. And I realized in that position that, oh, I have this history of you know, I can only stay in a job about 18 months. I have these situations where I just go into a panic attack, you know, like with, with job performance reviews. And I thought, I don't know what's wrong with me, but the problem is me. And I, I tried getting some therapy, but they still weren't, they, they, at that point, no one was diagnosing someone with, with a, a past of of child abuse they weren't diagnosing those people with ptsd but they were talking more about combat trauma and i was recognizing those symptoms in myself and i even asked the therapist i think i have ptsd she's like oh no you don't have ptsd um so i was i was just i was like i knew i had to get myself in a position where I didn't have to work, um, in a, you know, in a place of employment. And I started making plans to become self-employed and I ultimately started a business, um, designing clergy stools. You can see one behind me. Yep. Um, and I've done that for the last 15 years and it's been so healing for me because, I have been able to protect myself from triggers for one thing, while being able to listen to 
sermons and um I don't know if you know of June Hunt and Hope for the Heart. Um, she was on Bot Radio. She probably still is. I don't know. But I listened to her for years and years. So I got this enormously beneficial theological education just by listening to Bot Radio day in, day out. And, um, and June Hunt's Hope for the Heart. And she's the one who taught me about how to manage anger and um and and then finally I got a therapist who diagnosed me with complex PTSD and once I had that diagnosis um things started to change now my relationships were at a terrible low my daughter was not doing well um I was not doing well I was self-harming. Um, I was, I had struggled with anorexia nervosa since I was a teenager. I was struggling with that. This was about 2012. And, but once I got that diagnosis, um, God really was able to start healing me. Um, and, you know, I just, I really just fell on my face before him every day and just cried out to him and gradually things started to change. I became more stable. Um, and, and this was really all the work of the Holy Spirit, just daily journaling, praying, reading, memorizing. Um, and then about four years ago, things started really speeding up. I started reading a book that I still have never finished because it put me on a path that just rocked my world. Um, but it was a book called uh, Where Prayer Becomes Real. And I had already come to a point where when I came to the Lord in prayer, I had stopped trying to follow any formula or like, you know, do everything in the right order. And I just started, I had already started coming to him, you know, with just all I've got is myself and my sin to bring into this. And there's just something about this book that, you know, where I was already at and kind of the directions it pushed me in. Um, I was sitting in my recliner one morning where I, where I typically did my Bible study and prayer and stuff. And I just remember I closed my eyes and I just had this vision of a little child falling in the mud and then running toward her father to clean her up. And I realized, ah, oh, I am at that place. I am covered in mud and I know that the only one who can clean me up is my father in heaven who loves me. I don't have to clean myself up. The only one who can clean me up is my father in heaven. 
And I just, I just saw myself is running to him and him sweeping me up and even just laughing, you know, just delighting in, in the mess. And, and I think that was a point of surrender for me. It was just like, yes, Lord, clean up the mess, finish cleaning up this mess for me. And boy, the changes that happened after that were just tremendous. And it was difficult, but um, I started just asking God, okay, you know, I still have this pain. I see my daughter is still in pain. My granddaughter, who was about to be seven years old, the same age that I was when I started, started hating myself, Mm-hmm. she was she she was scapegoating herself and um and the rest of the family was kind of leaning into that just blaming her for everything and I just felt desperate for things to change and finally God just led me down this path where I was able to see myself as a child through grandmother eyes and I started retelling my story through the eyes of a grandmother. Wow. And I would just sit with my, you know, my seven-year-old self. And I, I told her a different story than what she had told herself. And, oh, God just started moving and, you know, sometimes I'd feel stuck and I would just go to Psalm 139 and I, I just like, okay, you made me, you know, me, you know what I'm going to say before it comes out of my mouth. What is wrong? What is going on? What do I need to look at? Show me. And he would, he would. And, um, he started healing my marriage. Um, there'd been a, a, a huge distance in our marriage, for years and even through some of this work where I was you know reframing these stories there'd be mornings I was just I'd just be crying you know just just releasing all this emotion that I'd never let myself release um and my my husband would come in and I just just be crying and he would just sit me on his lap and hold me like a little child and that's and that's what I needed and it was through that that we started growing closer again. And um, yeah, and then my daughter uh, finally had the crisis that that pushed her into getting some help. Um, she's now a coach also um, because she, she, I think through through finding coaches to coach her, she's, she's been able to surrender so much. And now she's able to help her daughter heal. Um, and so when she, she got into coaching first and then, um, my husband and I just kept getting called into certain situations in our church. Um, and particularly last January, um, we got called into a situation that was just so far over our heads. I was just like, Oh, I've got to get some training. Um, 
And so I started with a mental health coach program and then um, had an opportunity to go into um, professional life coaching. And I decided to go ahead and finish that and get started on a business so that I could um, I could start transitioning away from full-time work uh, on my stole business um, and work part-time as a life coach so that I had more time for ministry in our church. Um, and so that's, that's how I got to where I am today. Um, and now, goodness, I just, you know, my heart is to help, especially, especially moms, um, really understand their value in God's eyes, really learn to soak in God's love. And so what, what I do, um, Ephesians three, I believe it starts with, with verse 14 and goes through 21 where, where it's Paul's prayer to the Ephesian church that they, that they would be rooted and grounded in love so that they would, you know, just know the love of God and, um, and that's, you know, that's, that's sort of the, the basis of my ministry, that if we're rooted and grounded in love, then the fruit that we bear is going to be the fruit of the spirit. So in my coaching, um, you know, we, we focus on God's love and, and we're in an area that it, where there's, there's, um, heavy influence from the the bill gothard and the iblp are you familiar with with any of that happy shiny people or shiny happy people that documentary that amazon did um on that some people call it a a, a full-blown cult and others will say well it's got some cult-like um attributes but it's it's um very strict um complementarianism mm. where the a woman's submission is absolute and the man is the leader. He makes all the decisions. Um, and it's very much legalism. And even, even people who weren't part of that cult um, have been influenced by that in very conservative denominations. So, um, so I really, we have to go back and look at, some of the scriptures that were used to manipulate them and, you know, and, and really look at the love that's there rather than the rules and, um, you know, that legalism that they were so immersed in. Yeah. So that's, that's it's the story. Crazy, but you can get church hurt. <laughs> yes by legalism you can, yeah. you can and it, it's it's sad to see this but you know starting last year and, and maybe even earlier but last year it was actually trending to um you know deconstruct your faith yeah um it was just sad to see people not truly understanding who they are in christ yeah 
and and leave the faith and and and, yeah. and I think part was um, a pride issue as well but an, another part is this identity and and mm-hmm. Satan likes to deceive people and the enemy's always there to try and tell you you're not worthy you're not good enough you're not amount you're not going to be worth anything and um yeah. and then you start believing those little lies and then those little lies become your life and and then are you the choices that you make and so on so yeah it's so yeah. tragic that we see church hurt today yeah uh, and it's yeah. very common now yeah 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 and and you know it's it's those lies um that we believe about ourselves about god about the world um you know that we try to uncover in coaching um because those are those are very limiting beliefs and um so once you know once we uncover those lies in coaching and replace them with with truth with gospel alignment then you know people start to see um you know see how they've they've been kind of defeating themselves how they've sabotaged their relationships um and so what what I teach my clients is, you know, is that our our thoughts, and especially the ones that are not true, <laughs> drive our emotions. Our emotions drive our behavior, and then our behavior creates the life that we have. So you know, if we, if you if we're not seeing the fruit that we want to see in our lives, if we're not seeing that love, joy, peace, patience um, goodness, kindness, gentleness, all of those fruits of the spirit. If we're not seeing that, then we have to dig down deep and figure out what those lies are that we're believing, what we're rooted in. Are we rooted in pain? Are we rooted in fear? And a lot of that legalism creates fear. And if we're rooted in that fear, we are not going to get the fruit of the spirit. We're going to get anger. We're going to get bitterness. We're going to get resentment. We're going to get bondage. Bondage. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And you'll, you'll, you'll think to yourself, well, I don't see fruit in my life. I'm not a Christian. I'm not worthy. And that's just not true. Uh, God loves you. He's with you. He wants to have a personal relationship with you, but he wants to heal you. And I think you have to kind of, like you said, you have to start dissecting your own perspective of yourself. I, and I think you, you, like you said, you had to do that with yourself. You, it came a point into your life where, uh, just to go back to where that moment of despair, that moment of like, Mm -hmm. okay, God, what do you want me to learn? It was just like that moment where you're like, okay, God, I'm surrendering to you. I don't know what to do anymore. I need your help. And reach that pinnacle, that, that part in your life where you're like, okay, um, I need you to help me. And I think when we cry out to the Lord like that, um, the Lord's right there and he's listening to us and and he hears our cries, you know, and immediately he starts the healing process, but we really have to like seek him, you know, seek his face. And, and I really like how you said that you spent time, um, seeking him, praying, worshiping, studying the word of God and, you know, doing all those things help you to hear his voice, help mm-hmm. you to 
get deeper um, in knowing who you are in Christ and, yeah. and, and knowing who he is. And I think ultimately what heals us is knowing that God's love can never separate from us. Like it's his yeah. love is so powerful. It's unconditional gape love. He loves us when we don't even love ourselves. I mean, that's yeah. why I love God so much. Like when he met me in jail and I became a Christian, he loved me when I didn't even love me. And yeah. He loved me. I, I, I wasn't even worthy to love myself. Right. He, he loved me. Yeah. Um, and I had yeah. to realize that. You know, uh, so like, what is some advice that you would give to a new believer that's just really struggling with um, their faith and, and, and their self-worth? And um, what would you say? Well, you know, you talked about surrender. And I think that one thing, you know, we might it might be an easy thing to like surrender our sin or um, surrender some problem that we have. But until we really dig deep to where the pain is and surrender the pain to Jesus. Um, this is something that I found when I, when I was, when, when God led me to that place where I was able to revisit my childhood through grandmother eyes, what I realized was that I wasn't letting Jesus into my pain. And, it, you know, when you're, when your trauma is on such a deep level, um, you know, a lot of that is, is nonverbal and, um, and it's, it's a hard place to go, go to, but if you can let Jesus into your pain and surrender that to him, um, you know, you will, you will start to be able to make progress, um, you know, in, in, you know, in bearing fruit in, um, in finding that freedom from bondage, you know, whether it's from addiction, um, or, or whatever, you know, that, that, that healing piece is so important. And I mean, I've even, I know that there are programs now, addiction programs now that recognize that the only way uh, to break free of addiction is to address the trauma because there's yeah. always trauma back there. Um, and, you know, it, it can be so deep and so painful in some people it's, it's, it's not safe to do alone. Um, and it's certainly not, not very safe to do without Jesus. Um you know, that Jesus really is the only way, you know, and he was, he was bruised for our iniquity. He was, he was, he bore the marks. He suffered to know our suffering. And we can go to, gosh, is it, is it Isaiah 53 that talks about the suffering servant? We can go to that passage and we know that he feels our pain. He experienced, you know, the trauma of abandonment and abuse um, and rejection. 
yeah, I, I, I go into the prison every Monday and uh, I'm currently teaching a 12 step Christ centered recovery program. Uh, we call it a step study through celebrate recovery. And I've worked extensively with um, people with addictions and trauma and pain and things like that for years now. Um, and I, now I'm in this prison and I'm talking to these guys and I'm telling them, if you find the pain, you'll find the reason why you did the things you did. And, and the root of compulsive behaviors is pain. Um, and if you, if you go back into the past, um, even though you might not want to, I, I'm not asking you to relive it. I'm asking you to just go back to and visit it, deal with it. And, uh, and what we do is we write an inventory down and we, and we write out who hurt me and we write out who did I hurt and we do the cause and effect to that. And, you know, what is my part in this action mm -hmm. that happened in this piece? And, and so, uh, and it's a person, place or thing. So like one of the things that hurt me was my, um, my six years of being in prison and incarceration. Um, that was, that was something that hurt me. And so, um, and, but you said something else too, that really helps. And I just want to mention that because I too struggled with anger, um, as a, uh, as a young uh, kid growing up, I, I had behavioral issues, but I have severe anger issues. Um, but now, um, I still have issues with anger, but now it's like, I need to always be aware of what triggers me. Um, yes. and so I have triggers and even today, like, you know, I've been out of prison for 20 years. I I've been clean from a meth addiction for 16 years, but I still can't watch movies that have drug usage. I still get, uh, uneasy when I see a police officer in my rearview mirror. Um, when I go into the prison and I hear the door, uh, clink shut, it, it has this loud noise. It really like, uh, you know, but I, I'm like, you know what? I'm here because the Lord has me here and, and, and the Lord is my refuge and, and the Lord gives me peace. And so I say a prayer before I go in because it's still hard to go into prison um, when you've been to prison uh, as many times as I have. Um, and there's those triggers that come up. And so I have to always tell myself like, okay, these things trigger me. But that's and like uh, another thing that triggers me is like when I hear people yelling and screaming, uh, it mm -hmm. takes me right back to oh, yeah. me and my brothers and sisters and how we used to scream at each other because that's the only way we knew how to talk to each other. We lived in such a dysfunctional uh, a family that that was how we communicated. We yeah. just yelled and screamed at each other. And that was the normal. But now when I hear the yelling and screaming, it triggers me. It makes me go back to those times uh, and to that pain and it revisits me. And so I'm like, okay, I'm having anxiety right now. Okay. I'm gonna have to step away. I'm gonna have to learn, breathe, calm down, put some worship music on. And, and, and that's how I find my peace is uh is just going back to uh, music is one of those things um that i've always been able to go to <laughs> to deal with anger and to deal with depression um if i'm really going through it i'm really struggling um i love listening to some good worship music um and i love to read scriptures and just have some time to just meditate on god's word for sure yeah yeah well one other thing that i would that I would give as advice is that 
you know, if you don't know what's going on, um, you don't know why something triggers you, um, you don't know why you, you just had that emotional outburst, just go to God and go to, go to Psalm 139 because he does know you better than you know yourself. And you just pray, father, show me what's going on. And he, he answers that prayer. He answers that prayer. Yeah. I, I want to share this uh, Bible passage. It's uh, James five sixteen. It really helped me when I was going through the 12 step program many, many years ago. Um, but it's one of the, the scriptures that I've held on to. And, and I, I say this prayer uh, just about every single day. James 5, 16 says, therefore confess your sins with each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Uh, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. But what this prayer is telling you is that when we're able to open up and share with one another, uh, there's healing that happens. Um, and so yeah. that's why I'm so grateful for you being a life coach, having some of these hard conversations with people. I know I've had really hard conversations with people before too. And I'm like, I'm totally not uh, equipped for this, but I mm -hmm. I do know that in those conversations, the Holy Spirit's right there um, and he's able to minister um, and 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 really speak to that person that I'm speaking to in a way that lets them know that they are loved, that they're welcomed, that they're being heard, that God sees them, that God loves them and, and God's with you. And, you know, yeah. that's the theme of this month. We've been preaching in the Bible on Sundays in our church. And the overall theme is God is with you. If Jesus after he was baptized and he was affirmed by his father in heaven and in the Holy Spirit, after John the Baptist baptized him. And then it's said in the Bible that he was led into the wilderness by the spirit, by God. And he went and um, prayed and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, this time alone with God so that he could prepare for what was next. And that was ministry. But guess who shows up? while he's having this time with the Lord, Satan, and he's there and he tempts him. But what does Jesus do? He uses the word of God as a weapon, as a weapon to beat Satan's lies, beat Satan's to deceit. Because like Satan even said, if you're the son of God, but yeah. Jesus knew he was the son of God. Yeah. He's not going to let the devil twist you up. And so uh, for those that are watching this, I just want you to know that you are loved, that God sees you. He knows you. He knows your heart. You can just go to him. Just like Tanya said, when you're really feeling uh, depressed or having anxiety or depression, anything that's going on with you, cry out to the Lord. He will listen to you. He will hear you. Go to Psalms 139. There's another Psalm that I really love um, that I read. Is Psalm 23, three through four. Um, he restores my soul. He guides me along right paths for the sake of his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. And so that lets me know that he is right there with me. He's walking yeah. beside me. And I, if you're in a dark place right now and you're feeling discouraged, just reach out 
God's hand is right there and he'll walk with you and he will encourage you and he will love you. And another scripture is Isaiah 41 10. So do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and I will uphold you with my righteous hand. That's what God is saying to you right now, that he is with you that he wants to uphold you. You don't have to fear anything. You don't have to fear today. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. You don't have to worry about what's going on next month or next year. God is with you right now. And he is going to give you strength. When you're at your weakest, he is right there with you. Yeah. You know, another verse that I, I think is super encouraging for someone who's just started um walking with the Lord is um, I believe it's Philippians one, nine or one, six. I think it's one, nine um, for I'm confident of confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you yes. will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's definitely purpose in the pain. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's none of, none of your suffering will let will god let go to waste he will use all of it right in mm -hmm. celebrate recovery we always say to each other god never wastes a hurt yeah absolutely yeah god he doesn't does. waste a mistake he doesn't yeah. waste a oh that reminds me of something that you said um earlier about you know having to face face what you've done to other people like you know hurting other people and and one thing that um that I've had to do a lot of, you know, is making amends with, you know, with my daughter and, um, and, and, and helping her make amends with her daughter, you know, kind of walking through that with her. Um, and, and that's something that I, you know, in coaching, you know, finding ways to make amends to the, you know, with the people that you've hurt, you know, your pain creates that inside you that you hurt other people you know the anger the the fear whatever it is that makes you hurt other people and you know finding ways to make amends um in really meaningful ways can really help repair those relationships yeah and, and that's an important piece in this because you know living with the knowledge that you've hurt other people can make recovery so difficult but surrendering that to the Lord, surrendering, you know, what you've done maybe to your own kid or to, um, you know, to an intimate partner or something like that, you know, surrendering that to the Lord. Yes, it happened. Um, you know, and show me how I can make amends. Show me how I can make this right. Um, it's not an easy thing, but it's a really important piece of that recovery. Yeah. Yeah, I really struggled with, you know, I was a drug dealer and I got sentenced to prison for selling drugs and I didn't think, and this is after I got saved, I, I got saved the first time I went to prison. I went, I went to, you know, I, I went to prison on three different cases, um, mm -hmm. but I've been to prison a total of five times. Uh, you know, the first two were kind of like just probationary, um, scare you straight programs, uh, violator programs and stuff. But I got sentenced three different times in prison. And, you know, after I was a saved, um, I struggled with uh, uh, not only with, uh, drug dealing, but also drug usage and stuff. But I really struggled 
that second time going back to prison, I really struggled because here I was a, 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 a man of God who, who, who saw the Lord work mighty miracle signs and wonders that first time in prison. And, you know, and I was on fire for the Lord and everybody around me were like, man, he's going to get out and he's going to do some awesome stuff. And then I got out, put in 75 job applications. Nobody would hire me, got discouraged, uh, tried to find some churches uh, to get some support and, and get some support from family. And I just, just gave up and I ended up relapsing, going back to prison. And then I end up being even more discouraged because I just didn't think that I could forgive myself for being a drug dealer because I had impacted too many people um, because I had uh, impacted so many people, like entire communities and cities and states with drugs that God can't forgive me. And I had that stuck in my mind and I almost had to like re believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ forgives everyone of their sins, even mine, even the ones that I don't even think I should be forgiven for like drug dealing, like, you know, dishing out um, toxic stuff to so many people and turning people onto drugs. So I battled with that and I hadn't, I ended up having to go through an inventory, write that down, let go of it and say, okay, God, I'm done with this. I'm not going to let this traumatize me anymore because it traumatized me yeah. until I was able to let it go. Um, and so I want to share that because it's very important that you have to relive that pain, just go back to it, realize what triggers you, what causes that pain, and then give that to God, let go and let God another thing that we say in recovery, because you got to let them have it. You can't yeah. keep holding on to the pain and not letting him have it. Like you have to open your hand and just yes. allow him to just take that, allow the spirit of God to minister to you and heal that wound. Otherwise you're just going to keep bleeding. But when you bleed, it affects more than just you. It's right. like, I read this, that when <laughs> you're torn by pain and you're torn by a hurt, that wound when you tear something, um, it's torn on both sides. And like, even when I went to prison, I realized that I didn't just hurt myself. I hurt the people that love me on the outside. They were yeah. doing time with me. Yeah. Um, time hurts more than just you. Time hurts the ones that are out there um, beyond the walls um, also. Yeah, yeah. But you know, this is how we learn God's un unconditional love. When we realize that just because we're saved doesn't mean, you know, we don't sin anymore. And, you know, we disappoint ourselves. We disappoint our loved ones. And we we think we disappoint God. But you know, God knew we were going to do that. And he chose to save us anyway. And grasping that unconditional love, um, you know, I don't know if there's any other way to grasp it other than by having to go to the Lord over and over again and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. Yeah. And yeah. he, you know, he's still there. He's still holding on to us. He's yeah, not going and, to and just when you think that your sins can't be forgiven, I, I go back to stories like in the Bible about like David, like yeah. David was forgiven. Yeah. Um, for what he did for, for the adultery and, and, and Uriah being killed and 
But then you read stories like Paul who persecuted Christians, Mm -hmm. but then God uses him (laughs) to go and advance the gospel. Like here's this guy that was persecuting Christians, had a reputation for it, but then God used him in a mighty way. And I just love how you can just go into the Bible and see story after story of how God just used it. Uh, ordinary people, not people that went to seminary, not people that knew all this theology, but just, just ordinary people that God used to become extraordinary people, um, extraordinary men and women of God um, to be used in his kingdom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was great having you on today for the podcast. I really, truly appreciate you coming on here. Um, I do want to share her website is uh, www.reapenjoy.com. Um, Tanya Roundtree um, is a life coach, Christian life coach uh, with uh, the experiences to to be able to uh, talk to you and counsel you and and coach you on your way. So if you're needing some coaching, uh, definitely reach out to her. You can contact her right there on her website. Again, Tanya, thank you so much uh, for coming on here today. I really, truly appreciate it. Uh, and thank God you. bless you for that. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you as well. <laughs>